0: Welcome to another episode of the MaxCast. I'm Max Marcus, and today we have uh, have a really great guest, uh, director, and uh, really, really hardcore Harry Potter fan, uh, Justin Zagri. How's it going, Justin?
1: I'm good. How are you, Max?
0: I'm good. And um, so people know, uh, we met through uh, another podcast that I'm the engineer on, Potterhood, with uh, Nico White and uh, Will Posnan. And it's, um, yeah, I think you're one of the few guests that we've actually had on more than once.
1: Well, it's an honor. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. And, uh, besides just, uh, uh, being a big Harry Potter fan, you, uh, you're a filmmaker who's actually like created some really good work, like, uh, Harry Potter fan fiction. Maybe I, uh, I, would, I would maybe say like some of the best that I've seen online. I, um, if anyone hasn't watched, um. Snape and the Marauders, or, uh, I just watched your other one this morning of, um, uh, Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Uh, this is a really good job on both of those.
1: Thank you. Uh, Thank you a lot. God, it was such a long time ago.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Uh,
1: Dumbledore and Grindelwald.
0: Yeah. I guess, uh, because you've always been a Harry Potter fan, how did it, how do you come up, uh, come up with the idea of doing these kind of like, uh, backstories on these, uh, these beloved characters?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I was fresh out of film school and I was working a, uh, working a gig and, uh, my college thesis went to a bunch of film festivals, but you know, I wasn't really getting the kind of attention I wanted them to get. Um, I say without, uh, ego that I'm a pretty decent filmmaker, but like the film festivals weren't really like making connections or creating opportunities. Um, so I was like, well, if I'm gonna keep doing this, then I wanna make sure that like these films get seen, which is why the idea of making a fan film and putting it on YouTube was born. And uh, I really enjoyed Harry Potter, but I wasn't like a super fan at the time. I, had, I hadn't even read all the books yet, um, but I, I was, um, when I was thinking about what fan, film, what fan films to do, I noticed there were almost no Harry Potter fan films. So I've, I re- finished reading the last book. I was like six books in. I only had one to go and uh, I finished the last book and, and there was this moment where um, uh, Albus's brother Aberforth talks about uh, how he lost his sister and it was due to this three-way duel. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. It's like this dramatic situation and, got some action in it and some tragedy and i was like that's perfect it's character based it's got some cool action it's like it's exactly what what i'm looking for so i went and read all the harry potter books again after reading the last one and watched the movies and got as much inspiration as i could and then i wrote out uh, greater good and the rest is history
0: yeah no people should definitely check it out it's um it's really good and then you uh I think, uh, the one that I saw first was, so how much time passed before doing the, the Dumbledore Grindelwald one and then doing, um, the, the Marauders.
1: So let's see, I think I put out Dumbledore and Grindelwald late 2013. Um, and then like a month, like two months later when it did got much more attention than I thought it would, I thought it would get like a couple hundred thousand views. It hit a million views in two months. Um, Then I was like, okay, I want to do this again, but now I want to try and raise money and do it without, do it with a budget and with a crew and with a good camera. Um, Cause I was using like a little DSLR and the crew was me, not even sound. Cause the, the beach was just the worst for sound. So we recorded it. Everybody re-recorded everybody speaking after the fact Um, and like an AD and the cast and that's it. Um, So I wanted a full crew and that, cause I knew I could do much better. So I raised a bunch of money and that was from 2014. I started casting 20 early 2015. I raised money, failed, tried again, late 2015. I'm sorry. Late 2014 succeeded 2015. We shot it. uh, And then it came out in 2016. So three years.
0: Yeah. And that, that, I guess one of the things, just watching the, uh, where, where did you film the the first one? Where, what, what beach was that?
1: It's called El Matador beach in Malibu. Um, it's about an hour West West Southwest of where I live in Burbank, which is, you know, nearby Hollywood. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty famous beach. You've seen it a lot in, in a lot of commercials and television. Um, it's, it's just it's very photogenic beach so a lot yeah, of people love it, to shoot it, there
0: it almost it looked like um I, I it even looked like a beach that they landed in like in one of the harry potter movies like it it even felt even though it felt really in world of harry potter without even like the magic uh
1: yeah it felt kind of magical that place and yeah. it, it, it has a little bit of a magical vibe to it for sure
0: yeah so then you um you cast the uh, the uh, the Marauders, and it's um <laughs> the casting's great. I mean, it's uh, Snape is really good. Like it's all, it was all very good casting. Did you did you know any of those people ahead of time, or was it all just found in casting?
1: No, not at all. Um, up until that point, I didn't really know ma- very many actors, um, so the casting was pretty standard and straightforward of uh auditions and callbacks uh same with greater good all auditions and callbacks um but we all remain good friends to this day okay. uh, hanging out with each other uh i played d and d with garrett zach and kevin who plays james peter and sirius we play every week um i talked to morgana who is the actress formerly known as mick um uh and she's doing great we keep in touch and keep in touch about nerdy things and one of these days we'll work we'll work together again but she's heavily involved in puppetry for disney now oh cool um and but she still wants to act she's just um, um just trying to find the right place right time and place for us to work together again um, and Paul, yeah, I keep up with all of them. They're, they're all really good friends. And now I actually collaborate quite a bit with, uh, with Garrett, who played James, on, on stories that we're trying to develop. Cool.
0: Are, I know that, uh, are those Harry Potter-related stories or are those uh,
1: their own thing? No, they're, they're their own thing. So uh, Wizarding, Wizarding War, which is the sequel yeah. to Snape and the Marauders, the podcast series, is almost done i'm finishing i'm finishing up recording episodes 11 and 12 and then i'm editing them which probably going to take just a couple more like three four more months and then it's over and then we don't want to do fan work anymore we want to do something original we want to we want to i want to make my first feature length film and it can't be a fan film it has to be original
0: yeah for sure i want to get to that but let's just uh circle back to the uh the uh, Wizarding Wars. I also I just listened to the the first episode this morning, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I think that's also really cool. I've I've been into the idea for a while of uh, like the narrative podcast, sure. uh, just because I don't think there's a little bit of it, but it's there's definitely not as much as uh, it feels like there should be. Just because uh, I don't know, it just kind of goes back to like the radio play days, and there's something there's something cool about it, and obviously you can do it uh a lot cheaper i mean that's one of the things i think is cool that you get to keep telling the story without having to you know all like the the special effects um and everything which um
1: yeah yeah it gives us a lot more freedom to tell the story we want like episode four has like uh, remus is a werewolf action scene um and big battles and things like that stuff we just couldn't do if we wanted to shoot it um, so, uh, partially it was like to answer some questions that were left open in Snape and the Marauders and partially, cause I just wanted to keep working with those amazing guys. Yeah. And, uh, Morgana had a connection at the time to an incredible audi- audio recording studio. And I was like, well, then let's just do it. Let's just do this. So Garrett and I wrote the scripts and we've been recording it over the years and it was a much longer journey than I intended. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, I definitely need to go and uh, listen to the rest of them and anyone listening to this, I recommend go watching and listening to all of this. Um yeah, it's it's all it's all really um it's all really cool stuff. It's um it's been cool to watch. I think what you talk about like branching out, it kind of reminds me of another series that I just enjoyed online. I don't know mm. if you ever watched like uh, Dragon Ball Bridge series
1: oh absolutely i love uh, uh team four star
0: yeah so yeah. when you say that it kind of reminds me because that's kind of where they are now too where it's they finished up uh the cell saga and they like had talked about doing another movie and then continuing and it just they were just like we don't want to we we want to go and like they they got to the point where they wanted to branch out and do new things and i think they just got uh burned out from from theirs but i think that's like an exciting place to be especially as like a creative where it's like you have all this that you've uh, you've gained like so much experience through like building off of a, a fan base that you can kind of now like go off um and try to tell your own stories so what are you do you have um i mean you probably can't say that much about it but what like worlds or like stories are you kind of interested in telling now
1: I mean, I just, I, I do love fantasy and sci-fi. So like the dream is to be making uh, movies in those genres or uh, participating in those genres. I love uh, The Last Airbender. Yeah. Um, So just for fun between you and me, of course, don't tell anybody, but (laughs) um, uh, Garrett, zach and i and my brother adam are just for fun just for practice and for like because we need specs under our belt we're um adapting the um kiyoshi novels or the oh, first wow. kiyoshi novel into a tv series
0: oh that's very cool
1: yeah so it's going to be a we're, we're adapting it into like eight or ten episode script, but we don't expect it to go anywhere yeah. if we're if we're incredibly lucky, we'll be able to pitch it. But it's more for practice, yeah. uh, more for just keeping ourselves sharp. Uh, but I'd, I'd, it would be so cool to be a part of that world. I, oh, yeah. Um, and I'm a I huge know. Star Trek fan. So yeah. all those
0: things. Uh, go off of uh, Avatar, but I'm, I'm sure you've seen the news that they now have their whole new um, basically studio over on Netflix. And they're going to be exciting. Yeah, I think it's gonna be really cool. It's um, uh, I think it's funny because they tried to do the live action, and I guess that might—I don't know if that's happening anymore now. I think did they pull the plug on that? Do you know?
1: I don't. I haven't heard if the plug has been pulled or not. Um, rumors keep coming out, and I have no idea if they're true or not. I frankly don't need to see a rehash of. What's already a masterpiece of a story of yeah. Aang's journey in, in the first Avatar series, yeah? Or uh, Korra? I mean, it's be- it's fine animated. If you want to do live action, let's tell a new story. You yeah, know,
0: I agree. I um for years I've always had my own idea for like the third Avatar in the in the cycle, or you know the one after Korra. Uh-huh. Um, And just because of how it is, I don't know if they would actually do this, but I like the idea of um obviously it would be an earthbender. And I think it would be cool if it's someone who basically Cord has done like such a good job bringing peace to the world that when the new person's born, there's really nothing to do for the first like 20, 30 years of his life. Sure. Uh, and he's kind of like a slacker and a burnout. Uh, yeah, I like and it. then uh, somewhere, you know, between like 25 and 30 is when he has to like actually start learning and like get every, get like his shit together.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, I can totally see it. Um, you should read the Kiyoshi novel because they yeah. kind of play with that. It's not. It's not the same at all. Yeah. But there's like this concept of a fake avatar. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, because there's like like the avatar is more than just the, the bridge between the spiritual and the physical worlds. They kind of serve as like this diplomatic barrier to make sure that just as, just the presence of the avatar keeps everybody in line. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so that's that and, and there was like these issues of where the next avatar was after kurok died um so yeah. they needed to make a fake one just so the world wouldn't fall apart um oh but, that's part yeah.
0: they they talk about that in the kiyoshi novels
1: in the first kiyoshi novel yeah
0: oh interesting
1: because they had a hard time finding the next avatar uh after kurok died um
0: oh Kuruk, yeah yeah
1: yeah so I, thought, yeah.
0: I, I just heard i thought you're saying cora i was like oh why should uh, that that seems no, like- not cora
1: no there's no, i'm sure cora lived a long time or died spectacularly in battle who knows yeah um but yeah, yeah no it's right. so yeah yeah gotcha. Yoshi's journey is a very fascinating one for sure at least in the first two books we've seen
0: yeah uh i've heard one of the things about her is where it's like that she like lived to be whatever like 200 something and it was like not clear if that was like on purpose or if it was just like, um, uh, like a mistake of, um, the writers, like timeline wise, just like,
1: Oh, no, totally on purpose. Yeah. Um, they wrote it, like they hint at it a little bit in Kyoshi's training in the first book where, um, a, a guru, an earthbending guru teaches a technique, um, uh, that he calls stagnation. Mm-hmm. And he's basically like teaching her how to use her energy to keep her body literally stagnant so it doesn't age. Um, But she's just at the very beginning of that journey. She's like 16 years old Mm -hmm. uh, in um, Kyoshi and six foot six.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's super tall. Um, But yeah, it's really fascinating learning the beginnings of her journey. And they do uh, start to hint at why she's lived so long. Mm. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I do need to check those out. The only other... I don't think I've read all of the Avatar books that take place after the original series, but I think I read like the first three, like of them where it's like, uh, well, there's shadows and something. I don't think I read that one, but it's like, uh, what there's a story of Zuko trying to like fight now for the fire nation again. And it looks like it could start like another conflict with the earth nation. And it's like the beginnings of Republic city. I don't know if you've read
1: those. I haven't. Um, I only know the one of the series which I haven't read. But she, it's like he's on a journey. Zuko's on a journey to find his mom. Yeah,
0: I so. that's one I've not read. But I, I don't know. I think that those might be the ones that they're potentially adapting into continuing Aang's story.
1: That'd be cool. I'd be down for that. Um, yeah. They'd have to find a new voice actor because that kid was ten years old. Yeah. Going into twelve when they recorded his lines, and now. And that was the only voice acting he ever did was ang oh wow, he just yeah. got
0: out of the business after that
1: yeah he I don't know why, but he he just decided not to keep doing it. Um,
0: yeah, they could probably get most of the people back. um I know uh the guy I forget his name, but the guy who played soccer um I think he was on like uh all that as a kid, and then like uh did uh have you seen the web series Dorm Life?
1: Mm-mm.
0: He, um, I think he created that. It was like, um, uh, it was an early web series, uh, like, um, but it was, uh, shot at UCLA, and, um, it was oh, pretty cool. good. And he's, uh, he's, he's the guy who plays soccer. He's just like the wild guy who's like always just like drinking and, uh, like just crazy at the at the college. But it's like it was funny to hear him and then be like, oh, that that does just that's like soccer. Um gotcha.
1: But, I know they get Dante Basco back easily, who plays Zuko.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think they could get – oh, yeah, he did. He also continued voicing in Korra. Um, I mm-hmm. liked Korra a lot, too, honestly. I thought
1: – I did, too. Yeah, I did. Um, I was so surprised because I didn't watch the series until well after it was finished. Mm-hmm. Um but I was so surprised to know that the, f- the final season, maybe even the last two seasons, weren't even on Nickelodeon. They were, like, online. Only. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I watched them when they were coming out. And it was – I mean, I was in college when they came out, so I didn't even really have cable. So it was like I'd be watching online anyway. Um but yeah, it was like on Nick.com. They uh, they Nickelodeon was weird with them, where it was just like I think it was like they had to fight for every next season pretty hard.
1: Right, and that's kind of why it it felt less coherent than um the first series is because yeah. there wasn't a plan for more than one season, and you could really tell. Um, the second season, I didn't really care for. Una Lock was kind of a tool. Um, yeah, but I I, think,
0: I agree. I think the second season, of course, the weakest, um, yeah. except for um, I really like the two episodes where they go see the first Avatar.
1: Oh, those are amazing. They changed up the art style and <laughs> yeah, art got, to see how, got to see what Juan was like. And it was very logical um, character choices that created the Avatar in the first place. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, and then Zaheer shows up in season yes. three played by Henry Rollins. Um, oh, I didn't
0: realize that. That's yep. funny.
1: It is amazing. Oh my God. I, ser- I was like, his voice sounds so familiar. And I look it up. I'm like, Oh my God, that is perfect for Henry Rollins to play this hardcore anarchist.
0: Yeah. That's so funny. That's yeah. great. Um, um, season. I feel like at least season three and four feel a little more connected. Mm-hmm. Um where it's kind of like based off that, uh, and I just love Zahir coming back at the end to like help her out. I thought that was really good.
1: It was perfect because it's it's stuck to his character, where he's he's in prison but he's free because he has access to the spiritual world at any time he wants and he's literally untethered. I Absolutely, that was one of my favorite moments of Cora is when Zahir's girlfriend dies and yeah. that's his last physical connection to the physical world and that's what frees him and allows him to be untethered and fly. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, so brilliant. But then it was yeah. really brilliant when he's in jail and Cora is like, this chick is taking over and she's being a total Hitler. And he's like, that is literally the opposite of what I wanted. Yeah. I will help you. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it, it's, it's great. Uh, I, you know, Cora gets, I think uh, a little more flack for different reasons. Um, you know, whenever a sequel is always going to be, people you are going to compare it to the original and, uh, whatever other re- stupid reasons, but I, I, I do think it's, it was, it was good. And I, I think Zahir might be the best villain from the Avatar series. I, I think he might be more interesting even than like the Fire Lord. Um,
1: yeah, well, the Fire Lord to me was not really a villain. He was more of a force of nature and yeah. a motivation for Aang to go on his journey, um, his rival, his uh, what's the word um, that I'm looking for? His his relationship with Zuko is more like Harry and Draco's relationship, yeah, um, than actually being a villain. Uh, so like a rival, or like um, I can't think of the word, but um, that was what you, you you stuck to stuck on the show with is like watching both Aang and Zuko's journey. And when you watch the show and you binge it, and you're like, this isn't really. The Aang show. This is the Aang and Zuko show. Yeah. They go back and forth. Their journeys are almost, like, equalized, so.
0: Yeah, and then it's, like, you know, you have basically just Zuko, and then it's, like, oh, he has a sister who's even stronger, and, like, Azul is a great character that, like, uh, you know, like, it is the the final boss, uh, and it's who he needs to be, but it's definitely out of the three of them. The Fire Lord is, like, kind of the... Wow, like he's the least developed it's the kind of the least interesting of those three
1: people right yeah i always saw him as like this the shadow in the in the background that Ang will eventually have to face so ang's fear of facing the fire lord and most importantly killing the fire lord yeah. was like his greatest um uh challenge that's where i felt avatar fell a little bit short is there was a bit of an ex machina when it came to ang's solution to not killing the fire lord yeah. um i i was like where did that come from that's out of nowhere I, if they just hinted at it earlier on uh when went deeper into the lore behind energy bending earlier then i'd be like okay i'm on board but yeah um, that's why probably, it's not probably, perfect yeah. <laughs> it's so close to perfect
0: yeah they definitely could have because they do hint at um lion turtles being a thing
1: uh right but like lion turtles energy bending and being the reason that people can bend cora goes into it obviously um yeah yeah
0: yeah they could uh yeah definitely at least hinted at energy bending probably in the library also they could have just learned that seems like it would be the place to hint at it but totally i guess they they hinted at the line turtle at least um
1: that's why I uh, like Zuko and uh, Azula's fight better, even though I loved Ang's fight, especially when he got his uh, when he got the Avatar State back. Um, it was just like total guilty pleasure watching him become a god. Um, yeah. But Azu- Az- Azula and Zuko's fight was was fantastic, and it was tragic, and the yeah. it was just it was so well done.
0: Yeah. No. Definitely. That was um, that was cool. And just. Um... Uh, and but also, uh, I've I've compared this to. Um, did you? Because we talked about um, like uh, the Dragon Ball Bridge. Do you watch like Dragon Ball Z or like GT and all that?
1: I've watched all of Z. Uh, I've watched bits and pieces of GT, and I kept up with Super on some level. Like when the when that huge universe tournament showed up, yeah. I paid more attention because that seemed really interesting. Uh, yeah. And then I watched the movies and the Broly movie was unbelievably good.
0: Yeah. yeah that one, that was maybe like the best one they did. But I, I think one of the big issues uh, that people and I, I definitely had with uh, GT is that there's a point where like with the Shadow Dragons, that it's just Goku goes, beats each one, one after another, after another. And it's kind of like the same fight each time where it's like, he struggles and he goes Super Saiyan 4 and then it's over. Uh, and I, right. I always felt that if they did a kind of like Avatar where it was like, they let the different like minor characters go take out some of the the smaller bosses along the smaller villains along the way, it would just have been more interesting. And that's why I like Avatar. Cause it could have, you could it, it, I feel like GT with what GT did, it would have been like if Aang took down Azula, then took down the fire fleet and then took down the fire Lord. And it was just watching Aang blast through all of it. but getting to see uh, like Sokka and Toth, uh and Suki uh take down the fleet um yeah uh, one of the things that actually is like definitely like the least stakes of it but always like bummed me out is Sokka losing his cool his cool meteor sword
1: yeah they, they kept it they let him hold on to till, till the last second bye space sword yeah <laughs> um that's really i love it because it's based in real life i've seen uh, a samurai sword made out of pure meteorite yeah um and the designs on it are the coolest thing in the world um and because they're from space they're like the most expensive things in the world too yeah i think it was i think it was being auctioned for over two million dollars wow
0: yeah that's a crazy thing to 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 own i'd be i'd be like pretty cool definitely uh not even going can do that, but let's just uh, go back more to um, before any of the, the Harry Potter stuff. So when did you uh, like get into film and want to uh, pursue that?
1: So I was in high school and uh, I was in AV class, audio, video, audio visual class. And my teacher was teaching us tape deck editing. So it's like okay. two, two VHS uh, decks, that you put them together and you learn a few things and you, you learn to edit. So, uh, one of the first things I did was create an anime music video. Yeah. And it was with Maruni Kenshin, Dragon Ball Z to the song break stuff by Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's a long freaking time ago. Um, yeah. and I think it's somewhere on the internet to this day. Um, but I just had a lot of fun making it and then I showed it to people and they loved it. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, I'll keep doing this. So I made another one and another one. Um, and then, uh, I was like really excited to get a DVD player. Um, cause they were brand new. And then my parents rented a movie called fight club mm. and, uh, I had no idea what it was about. I saw commercials and I was like, I don't know what this is, but, got Edward Norton. I think he's pretty cool. Um, so, and then like the opening seconds of like the camera going through the narrator's brain, I was just like hooked. I was on board. Uh And then once you, the big twist at the end happens, um, near the end happens, um, where you find out what's going on with Edward Norton's character. Um, I was blown away like mind absolutely blown, and I was like, "Well, there's more to movies than entertainment, than like cool, cool visuals. There's like, there's stuff to think about here." And that's when I it clicked in me. I was like, "This is what I want to do. I want to make movies." So that's where it started.
0: Nice. Yeah, I've been doing. I uh I never really did the animated music videos, but I know that's definitely like I've heard that. That's like was for like a, I don't know what the year range there, but there's definitely a lot of people who got their start with uh, the animated music videos. Um, yeah. And yeah, see, and it makes sense why, I mean, it's like a cool uh, way to like, just like create something without, you don't need to like film anything. You kind of have it all uh, at your disposal and then, but can can still use like your own, like um, uh, whatever creative insight or whatever to try to um make something but yeah, yeah I've always been trying to do that I'm uh I'm right now like uh writing I'm in grad school for um like TV writing and production
1: oh right on man
0: yeah so I'm like uh I'm actually at the point right now um of figuring mm-hmm. out whether I'll still be in New York uh in the fall or if I'll try to make it out to LA um around mm-hmm. that time uh, do you have any thoughts on that? How, like L- how LA is right now?
1: You know, I mean, <clears throat> COVID just made every, all the writing side remote. Yeah. Um, so like, I guess if you're just starting and you want to be a PA in the room, um, it's tougher because you can't be in the room. Um, yeah. so I guess it's the way it's going to be until probably like summer or fall of this year. Um, yeah. but, you know, like my brother is a writing major. He got his bachelor's in writing. Um, and, uh, he basically is just, he graduated before all this started. So he wasn't yeah. able to really take advantage, but as soon as he's able to, I'm like encouraging him, like, just, just sign up for like the PA gigs, get yourself in a writer's room for a TV show, any TV show, except for reality. Cause that's yeah. that, that is also writing. It's not really reality. They are writing scripts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, unless you want to get into reality because there's, there's, there's definitely some funny comedy related reality shows and they're fun to write, I guess. But for me, it's right. like, no, no, never. But anyways. Um, yeah. I guess once this thing is over. Yeah. I don't know what New York is like compared to LA when it comes to writing uh, LA will always have an extremely strong presence uh, when it comes to development and um, production. Uh, Cause it's the hub and, um, all the big execs are here and they don't have, they have no plans of leaving. Um, yeah. e- and you know, how, how e- no matter how much you shoot in Atlanta or Louisiana or Vancouver, the, the hub of where things start will always be here. But I feel like New York is like a close and for like development and production. Yeah. Um, because they have such, because it's New York, New York's an amazing city and they have much better incentives financially to shoot there um if you're an independent um yeah now if you want to make a big movie like spider-man then the fees of using new york city are astronomical but that's not us and certainly it's not for writing so i don't know what writing uh the writing scene is like in new york compared to la but yeah la will never dissipate as far as that is concerned
0: yeah i guess that's one of the things uh that i was wondering because i, I at least because uh, i also like like nico and will do stand up um and uh, so i like the new york comedy scene a lot uh and i'm connected here obviously with those guys and others um so it would be hard to uh to and i guess it's not throwing it away because the connections will still be there but like starting from scratch which is why i'm kind of like uh uh go i I think i'm at the point where i would only go to la is if i was offered like a job in writing or development like um uh
1: yeah you could find yourself being forced to move there um yeah. but like i said i don't know what new york is like but if you've got a lot of connections there then you're, you're gonna have a much easier time where a friend of a friend can get you into a room than starting and starting from scratch in la
0: yeah Yeah, that's kind of where it's seemed, but it's good to know that it's, I know a lot of people, or at least some comics have like left LA and I think they'll be back. I think, uh, at some point, but if, uh, with everything being more remote and how much that will stick out if LA was going to eventually like sprawl out and disperse across the nation. But do you think that when things are back to normal, it's still pretty much going to be grounded as that, as that hub?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um nobody nobody big shoots here because there's just no real real incentive to financially. That's yeah. why you go to it's like the majority of the MCU films are Atlanta or Australia or you know anywhere but LA, it's just too expensive. Um uh, even the Star Treks are shot up in Canada. Um mm-hmm. but the writing is still in LA. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's where it all is. I know there's some here. Um like I mean they, we have like the a lot of the late night shows. Um, with, like, Colbert and Fallon uh, and a lot of those guys. But they have that over in L.A. too. And then I think L.A. just has, like, all the writers here. I don't think there's really any – it's funny because there are studios here. um, And I know Lionsgate was at least planning, and I think they still are, to open up uh, a spot in Yonkers just outside the city. Um, And we have Steiner here. But I don't think anything – a lot of stuff's filmed there, but, like, nothing's written on that lot, which is – like, it seems like they, there's the infrastructure that they could write, have writer's rooms there, but that just doesn't seem to be the case for whatever reason.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like that there's, I feel like New York could still have opportunities for you, um, at least in the short term. But, you know, once you get to a higher level, LA and New York start to become intertwined. So you could easily find yourself in LA once you get an offer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I got i have heard different views on this. So I guess uh, what you what you think on this? It's—I've um, heard some people say just go to LA, uh, get whatever job you can, make connections, and eventually try to get like the, the actual job you want in the industry. And then I've also heard uh, people say. Uh, you don't go, you don't move to LA looking for a job. You move to LA cause you have a job. Do you have a, a thought on either <laughs> of those?
1: You know, I mean like LA and New York are very high income places. So yeah. moving here without a plan is, is dangerous. Um, so I would say that there's like two possible things you could do. You should move to LA if you have a connection to get work um in the industry you want and it doesn't necessarily mean paid work so you probably would want to get a job um yeah when you get here uh or you come here with um when you want to get to uh when when you're going to school that was my plan it's like i'm i'm finishing college in la and that way my rent will be way lower and I can develop connections while I'm in school and then get, get a job related somehow to my degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't in the industry, but I was editing videos and shooting stuff for a startup. So I was close mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, um, yeah. And then uh, develop my connections over time. Um, but like there was, a, there was a starting point to make it so it wasn't impossibly hard to pay your bills. Um, so really it's like finding a really cheap room or rooming with somebody in a one-bedroom um, so you can keep your expenses as low as possible. Mm-hmm. So the jobs you get, like waiting tables or whatever you want, um, uh, those expenses are kept low while you pursue the, the, the things you really want. Because um, it's a marathon, no matter where you're at, to get to the point of where you're at in, yeah. in this industry. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd say for writers, like the, their, their goal needs to be like they need to have several specs, features of different genres, television pilots, television episodes of their favorite shows um, and uh, original uh, works, not necessarily to try and get them sold because that is getting rarer to sell a, uh, a, pi- a, um, a pilot or an original idea for a film. More and more of it is just adapting from books, comic books, remakes, things like that, yeah. which you'll hear a lot of people complain about, but that's just the way it is. Um, and more so to like get people to understand your voice and, and those people will be like, well, WandaVision season three would work great for Max Marcus. Cause his voice is very similar to what we're looking for. Yeah. And then you get hired.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. It's. Uh. Yeah. No. It's definitely. It's definitely obviously a tough thing to get into. I've heard uh, a funny story from like this uh, one panel where someone was asked. Uh, they asked this writer what um, uh, he would recommend for like breaking into the industry as a writer, and he was like, "Yeah, I guess like getting a fellowship would be would be the move." uh that's like what they say and then uh the the other people on the panel agreed and then like through them like talking they got to the they realized that none of them had ever gotten a fellowship um (laughs) and that they were just like oh i guess that's just what people say but yeah i guess none of us ever did that and then he was like okay so my advice is just uh just hang around for a couple years and then uh the the, be the guy that like someone you know just wants to bring on (laughs) and it sounds like that yeah i
1: mean like it's if making friendships developing relationships um and just hustling constantly writing you should always be writing as much as possible always i'm i'm hitting myself i did a lot of writing this year but it was for my own film um and my own work but i'm i really should have been directing more the problem is is that there's nobody to direct because of covid i can't be around them i can't direct actors in in a in an indoor space yeah um but like as a director who wants to make my first feature i should be continuing to build my portfolio and continuing to keep making things more and more keep myself um what's the word sharp um and then once we're allowed to hang out with each other again i'm gonna go everywhere i'm gonna go to bars and clubs and i'm just gonna be um, like my goal would be to meet and make a lot of friends (laughs) yeah us. I mean, I've got plenty of friends and some of them are producers and other directors. And um, I'm part of this really cool little group that a friend of mine created called the Midnight Society. And it's a bunch mm-hmm. of horror directors oh, nice. who all talk to each other and collaborate and talk about the business and help each other out wherever they can. And it's been a very supportive group of people. Um, but once I'm once this COVID thing is over, I can't wait to um, just get out and meet more people and talk about what we all love uh especially film festivals oh my god i miss those so much
0: yeah yeah definitely i just did um uh my uh we did like we actually filmed something for my uh the grad school final and that was like a crazy experience to like um have like a decently sized crew and like uh cast and everything and to film it like on campus, like during all of this was really, uh, like just a crazy experience and, like, um, just bear, I think we'd probably like just barely pulled it off. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I mean, I've been ready for a year for this to be, to be over and back to normal. Yeah. And, uh, at least it's starting to seem like the end might be in sight with everyone being, um, vaccinated. Uh, yeah.
1: I, f- I feel like there'll be some level of normalcy around the end of summer. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'll ever be a hundred percent normal again. I think that the industry we're in is permanently affected by this. Um, Yeah. Movie theaters will never go away, but they're not going to be the way they used to for at least five years. It'll take a very slow rebuild up and the industry has to decide if that's what they want because they lost so much money, so much money. So they have to be like, is it worth it to invest in bringing this back up? And I think people will want to get back into theaters, just not in the same way it was before. Yeah. It's very unfortunate because I love movie theaters and movies should be seen in theaters, but yeah the reality we live in is different
0: yeah well move i don't know what it's like out in la right now but i know movie theaters are opening back up in new york uh, i think tomorrow
1: oh Um, cool yeah so Um,
0: me and a friend might actually just go just because why is the first i haven't seen i realized i haven't seen a movie in theaters since uncut gems like last february
1: wow yeah I think, yeah, I can't remember the last movie I saw in theaters. I know it was like early 2020. The last movie experience I remember clearly was Avengers Endgame, which was November of, 2020, of 2019 or whenever it came out. Um, that was the clearest one I remember. And then the pandemic started and everything just changed. It felt like the en- end game was the last of major movie motion picture events. Yeah, um,
0: that's probably true or like i think it was like i think it was basically it was, wasn't like a big i mean this was kind of spectacle but probably for a different reason. So i feel like cats was like the last big thing
1: oh my god cats i never saw it i didn't i never know. saw
0: it either but i think uh, i think that that was like the big movie people were talking about people were just somehow like going to see it like drunk or high as a joke um and then i think that was like the it was supposed to be a blockbuster i think it fell short of that by quite a lot
1: I don't know what, I don't know what someone was thinking. I just saw the trailer and I'm like, who would watch this? I'm sorry. Yeah. No offense to the filmmakers, but.
0: Yeah. Well, it's weird because I feel like even people who like musicals make fun of cats. So it's a if you're going to make a big motion picture of a musical, it's weird to pick one that's even a joke in like the, their actual community, let alone to find mm-hmm. outside appeal for it.
1: I think it's a joke because the uh, I mean, I'm not an, I'm not in, an insider on Broadway, but nice. I speculate that it's a joke because it, it was around for so long. Yeah. Um, and it never really died. I mean, eventually did, but it was like almost 30 years. Um, yeah. And uh, now I think the record is Beauty and the Beast. But uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just I figured that's why. And it was a weird play. I, I When I saw it, I was like, this isn't what I expected, like at all. But um, I still enjoyed it. I still really loved it. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, when, when someone said, we're going to make a movie of this, I was like, how dare you? Like, <laughs> it's supposed to be a play. Yeah. Nothing else.
0: I um, It's so funny. I feel like, again, that goes back to, like, not really, like, uh, rolling the dice on, like, new ideas and just wanting that, like, established IP to already yeah. exist. Is that there's so many movies that are made from plays and musicals. And then all these musicals that are made out of like great movies. And it like rarely works either direction, I think. Um,
1: yeah. I don't know if we'll ever see a resurgence of mainstream musicals and movies. Um, you see it once in a while, you know, you get Chicago and you get, yeah. uh, the Ewan McGregor Nicole Kidman one, which was like watching. Um, it was like an acid trip. What was it called? I forget. Um, <laughs> But anyways, um, yeah, it's like once in a while kind of thing. It's not,
0: I think it works. I think it's even worse the other way though. I know that they made American psycho into a musical and it was just like, why would you do that? Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? I I don't know. That's like, that's one of my goals though. I really want to, I, 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 it's probably not worth it. And because it's my pitch is this, But I would, I part of me really wants to just take like a critically acclaimed movie that's like amazing and just turn it into like an unwatchable musical, (laughs) just like just for like whatever.
1: Okay, Uh, you know, it's trying to think of like a movie that that should do that, um, like like an incredible classic that should never be made into a. uh, I think
0: like Clockwork Orange, should probably not become a musical.
1: I could actually see that working. I was thinking like schindler's list
0: yeah that would be a bad that would be a hard push for
1: <laughs> yeah like um or i don't know like just just like really heavy duty indie films that barely have any music in them to begin with that are like heavy topics and like um yeah yeah that's it's it's kind of fun to speculate on
0: yeah i i, I i'll this, this is something that i've done definitely before with other people uh, I don't know on the podcast, but definitely just in real life conversations, it's it is a fun thing to think about, like what would be a bad musical and like what might they actually do one day. Um,
1: I recently watched The Lighthouse. Um, oh, I need to watch I, that. I think that would actually be a great musical because um, it was so surreal and and weird and art house and nutty. Um, Robert Pattinson was a total psychopath. Um, uh, in 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 terms of his performance and acting, uh, even more so than Willem Dafoe. I was expecting Willem Dafoe to be the psychopath, and he kind of was, but Robert Patterson was the one who went all out and went totally insane in that movie. It was a very crazy movie.
0: He's... <laughs> um, and, um, and we can, like, end some around here. I think what's interesting is, like, because he's had a really good career, and he started... Or the One of his first, first big things was being in Harry Potter. Yep. And... Uh, you know, he could have also then fell into the trap of like not being able to be seen as anything other than uh the guy from Twilight. But he's he's he and um Daniel Radcliffe have both done a really good job at um not being remembered for just their iconic characters and like not getting pigeonheld and like continuing to do.
1: Totally. Have you seen Swiss Army Man?
0: Yeah, I was going to say I love Swiss Army Man.
1: Yeah, um, it was great. I could see that as musical.
0: Yeah, that could be a musical. Um, because that one's just so so wacky. Um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. I don't know what this movie is, but he's in something else where he's like a guy who gets like guns nailed to his hands, and he has to like run through the world. It's crazy. He's like, he really was just like, I will do anything. I will. I want to show my range, and I don't want it. It's like, right. I think more than anyone else because Harry Potter was huge he could have so easily never really been in anything big again and just only seen as Harry Potter and everything else he's in, just feel weird and fall flat but he did um sure I think he, he did a really good job um yeah but I think that's uh that's a that's a that's a good place to end on I don't know if you have a lot more to do today I won't uh won't hold you um, well I
1: wanted to briefly talk oh, about yeah. the the film I'm I'm trying to make just for a minute cuz yeah, we're yeah, still plug whatever game.
0: social media and talk about the movie.
1: Yeah, so um I'm trying like in 2019 October I came up with a little short called Powerless which is a horror mm-hmm. um and it was and it was touching on the di- my diagnosis of multiple sclerosis um mm-hmm. in 2017 which is a neurodegenerative mm-hmm. disease. Uh, I've been really fortunate that I have it hasn't really affected me so far. Um, mm-hmm. But reading into it, it's a pretty terrifying thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, this should make a horror film. So um, within the next few weeks, we're going to start pushing to make it a feature film. Um, oh, wow. So that's like the next big thing. Is, uh, is, is in, it's called Powerless. And it's going to be about this family who are haunted by these ghosts that are causing these neurological things to happen to them. Um so keep an eye out on the on my social media uh when uh, when that starts to pop around.
0: Yeah, what's uh you want to play your know, social media and uh, your YouTube channel that they can find it all on?
1: Yeah, you can YouTube is Broadstrokes Productions, all the social media is Broadstrokes Pro. Um you'll start seeing more and more uh info about Powerless as the weeks go on.
0: Ah uh, great. Um well, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciated you, uh, you taking the time to, uh, to talk, chat, film, um, kind of let me talk out my, uh, <laughs> my own anxieties about uh, my next steps in the career.
1: You'll have anxieties about your career, your entire life. So it's all good because okay. I still have anxieties about my career and always will.
0: <laughs> Great. That's good. I look forward to that never ending, um, <laughs> <laughs> but this has been the max cast. I hope you enjoyed it.